greetings, welcomes, and all those strange sorts accents of things. and yeah. stuff. Yes, here we are. We have returned. It's a Tuesday morning, which is our customary but not exclusive morning for recording <laughs> yes. podcasts. It is as much planning as we do, really. Yeah. Welcome to the Chorus Podcast, the Porous Podcast, with uh, Bruce Dennell and Stefan Voss. I'm never going to let that go because I like it. Nice. There um, we go. You'll notice a, um, well, I don't know if you're listening out for it, but certainly I am, is the clinking of whiskey glasses, which is absent as it's we have... Because sadly, Plowed through no one whiskey. has given us more, mm. and and the uh, worldwide sponsorship deal has yet to yet to materialize, materialize, or indeed be signed. I think we've negotiated too harshly with Lagavulin and yes. Talisker. Uh, but possibly we'll, we'll we should lessen our demands. Back to the table. Back to the table. We shall go <laughs> of our own <laughs> barrels of whiskey. <laughs> yeah. Yes, but we have. Yes, we have watched more things and read more things. Well, I trust you have. I, um, I have. I haven't read more things. You need to get <laughs> but I am to the reading. party, man. Well, you just, that's these big, thick books that I'm loving so much. Um, but I certainly have a an odyssey upon which Ooh. to go today musically um, on my side. Um, so, well, what is the, the Chorus Podcast all about, Bruce, for those first-time listeners out there? Yes. Well, hello to you, first-listener person. Um, yeah, we basically, we, we love the arts in general. Mm. Um, and at the moment, there's not a hell of a lot of theatre and live music and that sort of thing going on. So... For the moment, we're sticking to what we can get our hands on easily and uh, consume safely, um, which in very brief is, is in short, is, is books and music and now, films or televisual briefs entertainments. And shorts are quite similar to each other. I know. I said briefs are under, mm. shorts are over. Um, the Chorus Depends. Podcast, please um, like, our, yes, like our podcast, um, uh, do the um, subscribings yes. and uh, recommendations and leave reviews and podcasts. We had another interaction, Bruce, Yes, on the Twitter. How exciting. With uh, our sole listener, <laughs> Matt Christensen. Well, our sole interactive listener, yeah. because the, the stats upon whatever the thing is, the analytics, yeah. we do have more than one, okay. unless, unless he's listening he's to it listening hundreds of times. A couple of times. Um, but Matt um, asked us whether we'd seen the new Zappa documentary. I have not. He asked it on the Twitter, and I've been looking forward to it. It's um, I don't know if you've seen the movie Bill and Ted's Excellent yes, Adventure, yes. and they recently did... Um, Another one. Face the music, yes. It's uh, Keanu Reeves and the other guy. That, yeah. It's terrible of me. No, uh, but that's, so I think, his whole career, yeah. Is has made the Frank Zappa documentary. Ah. And apparently it's very, very good, and I need to watch it. Is he billed as the other guy? Mm-mm. That would be fantastic. But his name was. is Bill in Bill and Ted, I think. Oh. Is he Ted? No, he must, he must I just, I really, Ted. just, I do want him to make something and go, the other guy from Bill and Ted. Um... Well, I mean, I, yeah, it's difficult to match your career against the storied heights of Mr. Reeves. But, indeed, uh, <laughs> indeed. Um, but he, uh, he's the guy that made the movie, and he has a, um, a connection to, to Zappa. Um, I hope, I hope I'm not going to find out that he's like Frank Zappa's son or something. But anyway, because <laughs> um, we, again, <laughs> grossly un, unresearched for this segment of our podcast but um maddie thank you for that recommendation was it recommended i think you just said have you seen it i don't well, know if i think you even recommend the thing is it. with all this gobbling we do about please get in touch and we'll follow up we kind of have to so even if it wasn't a recommendation you know if he does get in touch and go um and just says at the title of something yeah. we're duty bound i think Absolutely to check it out yeah. so um you can also uh, connect with us via the twitter or you can email us at the chorus podcast 
yes. at gmail.com. Uh, on Twitter, we're the chorus and then the, the number nine, the chorus nine. Yes. Um, and, and yeah. yeah. But please do get in touch because it is very cool to also um, be aware of things that we're missing. We, we do have access to various bits and pieces ourselves, but we obviously, we nobody nobody looks at all of the options on Netflix no. or all of the, the titles in a, in a library or something. Um, yeah, you may hear our um, podcast mascot, Rosie, the pup, yes. out and about. She was uh, favoring her one leg again yesterday with the, the sort of lameness in the hind quarter, but she seems much better today, so Does that's she, all good. So that, uh, that uh, update on Rosie's health aside, yeah. uh, shall we begin on the Twitter? Indeed. Um, because we don't, uh, well, it's not really, actually. I'm, I'm lying. I'm just looking at my notes, which are wrong. So carry on. But there's, we do have that <laughs> very, very occasional <laughs> feature. Yes. Um, super producer. Oh, yes. Didn't you mention something? Yes, yes, of, yes. That's why I, went to, I, made, I, I made a note, you know. So, yes, our regular, irregular feature, yes, super producer. Go which for it, Bruce. It essentially involves an imaginary scenario where it's if like we fantasy football. If but we could call, if we were Rick Rubin or somebody, yeah. and we could pick up the phone and call two artists because we think that make just beautiful music together. Uh, who would those two be? How many people in the world are there that could just do that? Like Five. we imagine ourselves. And I have no idea like who they are. Quincy Jones could probably yeah. pick up the phone and... Brendan O'Brien might, might be able to in a, in a certain vibe. Who? Brendan O'Brien. Brendan O'Brien? Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Producer-wise. Um, I don't know. Rick, anyway, Rick definitely could. Yeah, Rick Rubin is a good um, one. Then. But anyway, go. you've come those up guys. with a... That's a, another feature. We'll do that yes, feature right. as an associated feature to this feature. Spin-off. Um, so this one. We chatted last week about, about Biffy Clyro and mm. their utter wonderful majesty. Yes. Um, and Simon Neal, the singer-songwriter, the main, well, main <coughs> songwriter and guitarist, singer, guy with just a fantastic ear for an ability to play wonderful, massive riffs um, and a sod load of bass and bottom end that just mm. makes your house shake and it's wonderful um, and another bloke like that with similar sort of sensibilities also a sort of quieter guy thinking guy also towering arrangements and guitars and things John Foreman um, yes, yes I want to say Switchfoot Switchfoot yes I was, I was in a band was a long, called Swivelfoot ah there we go and if we used to be regularly um, mistaken not mistaken um, name they'd say oh you're Switchfoot no Swivelfoot yes. Swivelfoot yes Switchfoot the not, not Ooh, the one with the hip. this is fantastic because this ah, is going to um, it's going to it's going to segue into, into something going to, okay, there will be so many segues anyway so back to this some sometime feature Simon Neil John Foreman um, now, for me, uh, clearly there would be a lot of guitars involved, but they wouldn't actually necessarily need to be highly amplified guitars. Um, but I'm just, oh, I'm, I'm thoroughly fascinated by, by what these guys could come up with because as I've, I haven't chatted to John before. I have chatted to Tim Foreman in an interview. We've got a sense of the kind John's of way of working his brother, brother the bassist. Yeah, uh, chatted to Simon, um, and just the sense that I have, as I say, is a thoughtful massively capable yeah um and and musicians and guys with an, an an interest in making interesting music so not yes we can go from that chord to that chord because we know it has this effect on the listener but we want to try something different and we want to yeah. for try me something this fresh. is this is great and it's it's um perhaps a little bit uh less common to find in a like a big stonking rock band yeah that you have two contemporary songwriters who are um, both have a gift for writing or approaching songwriting in a new, in a different, mm. in an idiosyncratic, mm. yes. 
sort of wait come up with something you know i can imagine them each writing a love song and it's not the you love song yeah. that you would imagine you know they, they're very both very good at that just as exactly uh, finding finding an uh, an imaginative angle yeah. also great both great singers and both slightly unconventional singers yeah. uh, simon among other things just a massive Glaswegian accent which which changes intonations and things which is lovely Ooh, and um, they both have such a great scream yes that comes out of the so so that that um, kind of breaks their voice. Yeah. So, so Simon Neal will be singing melod- melodically and then he'll scream and it'll just it'll break. It'll go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's that bit in learning to not learning to um, uh, learning to breathe. What was the album? That's learning, learning to, to move. Is, is what was the big words? song? Dare you to move. Dare you to move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The big song, the big hit. There's, Dare you to move. No, no, no. They're massive, massive, huge. Hit. Another one. Uh, anyway, uh, um, that one. Yes, but we'll he goes one bit where, he, where he, he sings the word scream, but as he says scream, he screams it, and his voice okay. also breaks yes. in the same way. It's I know good. exactly what you mean. But uh, And also, he has this sort of, even his normal melodic singing voice, yeah. if you like, is, is pretty cracked um, and, and I dare you emotive to move. and dare lovely. Dare you to move. Yeah. Dare you to breathe, move. Dare you, move. To, breathe. Dare you to move is the song. Uh, anyway, but anyway, so that's uh, if you are a, a particularly influential uh, producer and you're listening, you have two sales guaranteed. Yeah. So that uh, yes, there's your incentive right there. Simon Neil, John Foreman, somebody make that happen. Good day Excellent. to you. Excellent. Right. Um, how does that segue? Let's go into music, and I've got quite a mammoth musical right. thing that I want to get into. Which will there we go. Um, make maybe it's a guilty thing that I haven't read. I'm still reading uh, a book that we're looking across at your notebook and it says starch, veg, and yeah, salad. Uh, speak more about um, other things because <laughs> I don't have anything to say about reading. I'm still reading that um, breaking the walls of heartache or whatever it is. Ah, yes, it is very interesting and, and great. Um, so, two things I want to mention as I go into music. I'll start off with the, the smaller one and then go into the bigger one. Uh, one is a podcast that I've spoken about before on this um, show. Podcast? Yes. How called, meta? Called Everyone Loves Guitar. And the more I listen to Everyone Loves Guitar... You love guitar. The more I love the podcast. Oh. Um, Craig, Craig, as they say in America, or Craig Barber, I think it's Barber. Um, they say it wrong in America. It. Why do they um, say it like that? I, I want to know. Because it's wrong. Uh, say it like us. We're right. Let's see here. Um, about us. What's his name? What's your name? I don't Craig? know, but read oh, faster because Garber. people can't see this. Craig Garber is the host of Everyone Loves Guitar. Yes, he has and a yellow car. Yeah. Oh, it says it's not his car. Okay, okay, he doesn't have a yellow car. This is just in. He talks about... It's, um, you know, Everyone Loves Guitar, obviously, but it's uh, mostly about um, sidemen. Yes. So the guys that you might not, they're not the big names, but they are the proper, proper musicians. Often the better musicians, yeah. And fascinating, you know, the guys that were there for all the fascinating stories. And he interviews them, and it, he's fantastic, um, the host. Uh, just a kind of, you get the sense that, I don't know, a sort of uh, an integrity there that's, mm. that's great. And he's very um, down to earth, and he asks very um, interesting and well thought out questions. Um, See, and that, it's great. That, that's just enough, right there. Just go and listen. You don't need to hear no. the rest. So he interviewed a guy, and I'm just listening to them randomly. So it's maybe a very old podcast, but Glenn Dorf and uh, Glenn Dorf, Glenn Wharf, W O R F, and he is a session bass player, uh, famously, well, famously, probably most well known for playing with Mark Knopfler, um, and. He and I want to give a shout out to Glenn Wolf because I want to talk about something that he said, uh, which I thought was fascinating and and um, echoes my thoughts on music. 
and I think it's quite an interesting topic of conversation that someone might want to chirp in on or uh, Maddie can yeah. send us an email about but <laughs> he um, speaks about a concept that he voiced that he's been thinking about for many years and is more recently sort of mentioned in workshops that he was in or whatever and is actually considering more and more and more and um, so I don't want to steal from mm-hmm. him if he wants to present it as a, an online course that you can buy but he Glenn talks about these two parallel um, paths um, of of the musician or musicianship and he alliterates them nicely he says there's the mathematical mm-hmm. and the mathematical is all of the technical aspects of musicianship so it's um, knowing all the names of the notes and knowing how the keys work and when do you play what note and what are the chords that will work yeah, behind yeah. them and Theory. understanding yeah uh, but also the practical technique of that working sure. on your alternate picking as a guitar player and um, knowing how timing works and what's the right thing to do and how fast can you play or slow can you play and uh, um, all those sort of the mathematical side of music and he says that there are many people who are very very accomplished at that um, and he says it's a very very important part of being a musician is knowing you know how to play music mm. and then he says the other path and he says it's as important but probably more important certainly for him and i would agree so the mathematical is the mystical okay yeah and when he talks about the mystical he says that is where that almost indefinable power of music comes in it's yeah. it's the ability of the performer or the musician to imbue within the technique this emotional affective aspect it's what separates Frank Sinatra from countless other crooners you know yeah. he's able to take a lyric and a line and phrase it and sing it or Simon Neal and or John Foreman exactly. from other singer-songwriters that and, and this is what for me is special about the blues as well because mm. there's uh, um, far less of the, the mathematical that's present yeah. uh, that you can study from the outside and say well actually there's some sophisticated things happening between the notes and so on but the mystical is the heart it's mm. the you know, it's what makes a certain performer stand apart. Okay. And um, I thought that was a fascinating concept because I think uh, they're, they're equally important and the, the mathematical is easier to teach as a guitar teacher, I'm talking now. Mm. Uh, but the mystical is more just something, I don't know. It's there's a, there's, a, lot of, there's a lot of play in that, in that concept of the mystical because, again, it's something for me as a songwriter now, it also comes up. Often, particularly after I've just finished a song, somebody will ask me what it's about. And in terms of mystery, I have no idea at the time. Yeah. I have to figure it out. And it's not, you know, I don't, I don't sort of go for the whole, oh, it just came to me in a dream, because it didn't. Um, but it did come through as a sort of cogent uh, set of thoughts Yeah. that I then need to figure out why those set of thoughts now and where do they fit in what I'm going through and is that necessarily linked or did we just, you know, pick up an idea somewhere else or whatever but um uh, yeah that mis- i think the mystery goes both ways that the, the the musician can create mystery but he can also he or she can also kind of channel mystery or, or yes or be inspired by mystery and i think that it was on the back of a conversation they were talking about going to watch people play and he said you know he can be very and i'm the same he can be very impressed with the technical ability of someone yeah. for five ten minutes but he he says ultimately if it doesn't have the teardrop in it, hundred percent, which I think is such a great way of putting it. Yeah, it's you know, it, it's, it's a great song, but it's missing the teardrop. Yeah, it's missing that ability to move you, and that can be 
um, the performer, it can be the music. Uh, you know, I, I think he's talking about it as a performer. It's very interesting. Yeah, you can play that song, but can you? communicate that song mm. with that mystical element of music that the universal and interestingly, language there are math- in, in, in these uh, using this terminology there are mathematical ways then that you can add the mystery so we spoke of, yeah, of again, as, yeah and again it, but it's it's it, I think it comes from the same heart place but mm. but with the cracked vocals we spoke now of Simon Eild and, and yeah. John Foreman that sung in a certain way with enough passion and again you can you can do that with uh, with intent in terms of, of, of the method that you're using as opposed to the heart but the thing it, it will sound because of the way it's sung it will sound yeah heartfelt um, you don't know the, the guy's headspace no. when he's yeah. singing it in the studio um, but it's it's interesting that you can combine the two as well and I think there is probably a common thread with the truly truly greats like the the really and I'm sure it's not all of them, but I think you can point to really, really great artists, and they will be the ones that'll say if it if it doesn't have the heart, if it doesn't have that part, then that's a big part of what sets them apart. Mm, mm. And we spoke last week around the periphery of Utopia Avenue of how many artists there are who make it and don't make it, and how much of it is down to this chance element yes. of being in the right place, but. You know that aside, I think uh, that's what I love about music. I, I remember watching a thing about Whitney Houston where it was the Super Bowl. I think it was nineteen ninety one, and uh, America had were in the Gulf War, mm-hmm. and it was a nation that was um, under trauma, and they didn't really know what was going. A lot of their children were across, you know, overseas yeah, yeah, fighting yeah. the war, and it was Super Bowl. Saturday or Super Bowl Sunday, whatever it is, and Whitney Houston got up and sang the national anthem. Yes, a cappella. A cappella, in a way that only Whitney Houston could. And she imbued that song, which is forever old and everyone knows, with such a thing that it it united the nation, basically, the millions of people who were watching. It's also interesting for me in terms of of, uh, appeal, because again, designed music, which is a thing. Um, can often be incredibly effective mathematically um, and very popular and sometimes with heart as well. Yeah. Um, but quite often you will get uh, long, long careers of people that never really sell terribly many copies of anything because, and it might be a very narrow niche, it might be a tiny niche, but because of the, the mystery side of that, mm. that there are those few thousand people worldwide or whatever that connect completely with that feeling they don't know what it is but yeah. they 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 just they need that person to express what they're feeling yeah and a concern more of a concern to me is is the difference between the authentic and the the mm. try the wannabe and unfortunately in this day and age uh, with the information age and everything so readily readily available and also with um uh, the capitalist system that we live in and commodification you'll you'll see someone that will have an authentic moment yeah in a song and do something that unlocks that little bit of emotion and then you know 500 songwriters in Czechoslovakia will see oh that's the key place. Yeah. and will and will write you know mm. 
the next top 10 yes, hits. Yes, yes, uh, yeah. Because just, just exploiting that. And again, and that's a skill. It's, yeah. it's not to be played down, Max Martin. Exactly. But, with, um, with, <laughs> with varying degrees of, of success. And unfortunately, then, you know, it becomes more difficult to to identify the truly authentic and it's a basically what I'm saying well, is and it's it goes, a scale it all of over grades. The place. I mean, yeah. John John May is an interesting example in that scenario. Is that he he is an authentic mystery channeling guy, yeah, who has he's got the celebrity as well as the in celebrity ma- terms has wandered right into the mathematical part of it yeah. and then out again, and is sort of finding his way. Um, but it's yeah, it's interesting. I, I think it's a great. Uh, overall perspective on no, it. It's a nice way to think think of things and to see them. Which leads me into a musical discussion. One of my, um, I would say one of my all-time favorite artists in the world ever, uh, for a number of reasons, has just released something new that I want to talk about. But I want to go back to a very formative musical experience for me when I want to talk about this person. So um, I remember sort of listening to music. We didn't really have much music around the house. My parents didn't weren't big music buffs what? or whatever um no <laughs> and i remember the first music that i ever um i'll say owned but it, it was a cassette that i took to a friend at school and taped their cassette <gasps> which you could do you know um and so the first cassette that was ever sort of mine was a taped cassette of the soundtrack to the movie la bamba okay about richie valens yes. um which had a whole lot of great, you know, Eddie Cochran and, and um, uh, who are they, the Los Lobos, the yes, whole yes, thing. Yes. Um, so it was kind of 60s, 50s and 60s rock and roll sort of stuff that I really, really loved. Um, and then, uh, I don't know, started listening to, you know, was introduced as a young age to kind of, uh, on one weekend, it was hey, thank you, Rosie, the the sneezing dog, like Guns and Roses, Sex Pistols, and Violent Femmes, all in mm. one weekend as a young uh, high schooler. But then I remember moving to um, uh, Queenstown, uh, a little town called Tarkastat in the Eastern Cape, uh, for the last three years of my schooling, and um, went to boarding school for the first time in sort of a farming community, and it was quite alien to me. Oh, yeah. And I also got my first guitar then as a 16 year old while I I was uh, there and I remember um, there were different hey Rosie different hostels uh, where the kids would the boarders would stay and there was a hostel kind of across the road from where I was which I think was for younger younger learners okay and I remember I knew someone there or my brother had a friend there or something and I, I, I would wander over there sometimes on a Sunday and I remember being there, and I don't think anyone was there that I was kind of there to hang out with. And I remember just sitting in their kind of common room, and there was a television mounted on the wall. And on Sundays, they would just put on the SABC, which is our kind of national broadcasting um, companies. It was like a gospel afternoon or whatever. Um, And they used to play whatever videos they had. And it was kind of the in the heyday or the... Contemporary Christian music was very big at the time, and and music television actually had music on it. Yeah, yeah. The good um, days. So so they had a, a video that a DVD what was a videotape in those days of a concert by the artist Charlie Peacock, which mm-hmm. you may or may never have heard of, or you may know well. Charlie Peacock, and it was a an unplugged gig. Okay. So he was on vocals. There was this uh, guy Vince Ebo singing backing vocals, and was then he a, really close to a guitar neck, or 
okay. uh, who uh, tragically has died since Sorry. he committed suicide. Okay. Nice. Um, and wow. a, an acoustic guitarist um, by the name of Jimmy Abig or Abig okay. or Jimmy A. Um, a fantastic guitarist. And it captivated me. I remember sort of work, walking past and hearing music and then it was the most interesting, improvisational, beautifully melodic, cool guitar playing thing I'd ever heard. And I remember waiting for the advert on the TV for them to put the title up so I could see what on okay. earth this, yeah, yeah, yeah. this was. It was um, jazzy, inflected, uh, vocal um, kind of leanings and then this uh, Vince Ebo, this huge sort of black guy doing all these kind of R&B soul vo- vocals and these harmonies that came in so creatively and, and the guitar, it was just incredible. There's lots of actions here just for that. Yeah. Uh, and Those I was I was captivated. I thought it was the most incredible thing I'd ever heard. Um, and I we were allowed to go. We, we weren't allowed to leave the school premises during the week. But on Friday afternoons, we could put on our blazer and our boater, which is the straw hat. Oh, yes, that yes. We had to very wear. good, very good. And we were allowed to go, walk down into the town okay. for the afternoon. And there was a Christian bookstore. Okay. Um, that I would frequent because they sold cassette tapes. Nice. Sorry. Oh, and the telephone. me. Um, First time for everything. Yeah. Dog sneezing, telephone ringing. So um, I walked down, and heavens to Betsy, wouldn't you just believe it? Heavens to Betsy. There was a cassette by Charlie Peacock uh, called The Secret of Time, and it actually featured a couple of the songs that they'd been singing unplugged, and I immediately bought it and rushed home and uh, listened to it. And they were studio versions of these songs, fully produced. Um, but I absolutely of the same, the this, same yeah same concept. songs that okay, I heard yeah. but it wasn't and in fact then I discovered that he had a series called the West Coast Diaries volume 1, 2 and 3 that had the acoustic versions of the songs and um, I just became besotted with his music um, as I said it's quite now he'd had early success um, in the mainstream world um, sort of late 80s um, and then had become a Christian and gone into Christian, you know, yep. Christian record label and so on. Um, but he, he, he kind of, his music is so incredible. It has this sort of jazzy inflected vocal on his part. And then he loves like the, the Southern gospel choir backing vocal thing, like these yeah, yeah, yeah. screaming well, ladies going off and that. then, and then like fuzzed out screaming guitars and, just the most incredibly eclectic and beautiful, incredible sense of melody. That's an acorn falling on a, so a, a many sound effects today. Sound today. Effects. Yeah, um, all free. Yeah, and the thing <laughs> that I really, really appreciated about him is very, very um, thoughtful, um, intelligent uh, songwriter in terms of lyrics, and then the way he marries the music to the lyrics is incredible. Okay. So you'd have lines where you say a line, and it, naturally, when you say it, it has a particular yes. rhythm to it and he will like grab onto that rhythm and then mess with that rhythm so he'll repeat the line four times like accenting different okay. rhythms as it yeah, goes yeah. and just beautiful and I loved it so much then uh, he released um, a, a CD sort of came in around that time there was a, a, a CD called Love Life that came out after The Secret of Time that like properly just blew my mind and he's been prolific um, 
as an artist since then but then um producer as well yeah next yeah. thing i heard of him he'd produced a small band called switchfoot um they had an <laughs> album called a new uh, uh switchfoot the legend of chin and then a new mm. way to be human and then um learning to breathe yes uh, all, uh, i think uh, the last two of those were produced by charlie peacock okay. so he f- discovered them okay um and then um, he's, he's gone on to be very successful, uh, particularly with a band called, you may have heard of, called The Civil Wars, oh. who he also <laughs> produced their album um, and became very well known oh, for that. And he's worked with like the world. Chris Cornell. He's worked with like lots of the Lone mm. Low Bello, like all these incredible bands. He, he's an amazing artist, um, Nash, uh, Nashville based. I believe he was at, at some stage. Um, Jimmy A, that guitarist, um, also played on a lot of great projects. Uh, I think he's an artist primarily now. I think he's also in Nashville. He's recently redone his studio. Follow him on Facebook, and he's selling prints and and um, paintings and things. And I think he he has an issue with his sight, um, but I know he's he's still working. Um, but yeah, Charlie Peacock became well known as a producer of course now a uh, sort of a top flight producer mm. particularly with the success of the civil wars but he's carried on releasing he, he didn't release sort of a vocal album for many years but recently there's been two that have come out and he um he's a pianist a uh, jazz kind of guy and he's recently also started releasing these jazz records and this past week he's released um the Trout Ranch. What's it called? Where's my I don't know. Here? It's your story. But this is the guy we need to talk to now about our, our uh, bringing together of John and Simon. Yeah, quite possibly. Uh, Trout Creek Ranch is a new solo jazz piano record which has just come out. Very nice. Uh, and it's just beautiful, beautiful music. Um, if you want to get into his stuff, I mean, he has got um, more contemporary things uh, to listen to. Um, everything that's on my mind is an album that's quite accessible for the first time listener but Secret of Time is quite dated I think it's 1990 and then Love Life also a little bit dated in in terms of sounds but they're just the most incredible Mm. so he also uh, wrote a song called um, Heart in Motion for a a young artist called Amy Grant that album has just Gone, become th- it's just thirty years old uh, this past Good week, gracious. I think. Um, baby, baby, yeah, yeah. Da, 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 na, They're already na, na. thirty years old. So uh, Charlie Peacock wrote or co-wrote that song. So that was also a big um, sort of in for him in terms of establishing himself. Rosie, what are you doing? That's amazing. I didn't. I mean, I, I've known of him. I've forgotten the Civil Wars link. I'm a huge Civil Wars fan. Yeah. But I've forgotten the production link. Um, just what an amazing, yeah. So uh, aspirational career. He's just the most incredible music i think he's like my favorite artist of all time in the whole world ever because he's so eclectic and you know there's a song that he's got on um love life the album called forgiveness where uh, there's choruses that have so maybe let's say there's four choruses in the song and the first one he goes uh, it's like oh i believe there is one thing we need is the first Mm -hmm. line of the chorus so the first time he sings it, he goes oh i believe there's one thing we need and the second time he goes oh i believe the third time he goes oh i believe and the fourth time he does four o's (laughs) now it's not signposted anywhere (laughs) yeah but those little cerebral things that you can pick out it's crazy he does those kind of little things i wonder what he's like to what, what, what he's like to produce I wonder. Because that must be an interesting thing if he's going to do... 
I don't know. I'm sure because often often a producer will expect yeah. things, you know, or patterns or whatever. And if this this guy is improving all over the place, and he's a producer, it must be very interesting to work with. Um, yeah. So I recommend him as an artist. He's he, his vocal. He's got quite a, a a high voice, and it's quite jazzy um, when he sings. Um, so it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea. I don't know. Uh, I, I absolutely, he reminds me a little bit of um, the guy from Simply Red. What's his name? Uh, McHacknell. Uh, yeah, McHacknell sings that little little bit of a jazzy inflections every now and then. But um, No Man's Land from 2012 was a great sort of acoustic-y, uh, more contemporary-sounding vocal album of his that okay. I recommend. Um, Skin and Wind is... A Mind Blend oh that's the song sounds vaguely rude Skin and Wind is another um, vocal album he released this year which is um, pretty cool uh, Lil Willie in 2019 was also a vocal album it's quite he's become quite a mature artist in terms also of also just a sod load of, of, of yeah. releases over the years yeah um, as I say everything that's on my mind from 1995 is, is nice Love Life and uh, The Secret of Time for me are just the classics oh Strange Language in 1996 was also and The West Coast Diaries um, yeah Greatest Hits uh, he also wrote a song called The Light which was covered by a DC Talk on their album oh, yes, Jesus yes, Freak yeah. uh, which was a massive hit for them be in the light don't we? yeah that's uh, Charlie Peacock Wanna and his original yeah. um, version has got this bridge that's not in the DC mm-hmm. Talk version that is a, a vocal and arrangement masterclass there's another voice we need to get onto at some point is Kevin Max's voice oh, from my DC goodness. Talk just yeah. an astonishing voice I see he's got a new project The Sad Astronauts yes. with John Mark Painter and someone else he's an interesting chap very interesting very interesting right I see more notes in your music um, section or is that something else um no, that's it for me. Okay. And that's all I have to contribute. No, no, I'm just kidding. And so what have you been listening to, to? Well, I did my homework. I went to listen to Deacon Blue oh, and to the Hothouse Flowers because I was Not told to... Not the Hothouse Flowers, Bruce. Oh, sorry. Hothouse hot Flowers. Flowers. I actually, in my notes, to be fair, if you look across, I have Hothouse Flowers, not the This hot brings us to the, the massive controversy around the Van Dyke Park, Parks Board and Huge, Van Dyke I mean, Parks Board. P- several people, as many as two, are speaking yeah, of nothing Literally else. less than 100 people have been talking <laughs> about that. <laughs> However... Uh, so yes, went to listen to uh, to some of their new music because there is, uh, particularly in the case of Deacon Blue, there is quite a lot sure, of new so music. Sure, so much as well, yeah. Um, but listen to the album City of Love. Okay, yes. Which I really liked very much. Um, I was interested. Uh, who's it? Ricky Ricky Ross. Ricky Ross is, is the Rick singer's Ross. name. Rick Ross. Um, and doesn't seem to have nearly as much of an, uh, an accent as he used to have. Oh really? Yeah, Maybe he's been living in because there America. was a it was a sort of mix that I ended up with on on. The Spotify, okay. the Spotify, the Spotify. Um, of I'm all for putting in <laughs> the gratuitous in front of um, the the chorus. No, but anyway, so listen to City of Love. There's no there, um, and a very cool. As I said, just this in, this new sound because part of the old Deacon Blue sound, the original Deacon Blue sound yeah. for me was was that heavy kind of Scottish inflection, um, but but very cool. A nothing, wide Scottish brogue. Indeed, indeed. Nothing, lovely shoes. Um, nothing as sort of for the ages or as powerful as some of their early no, hits, but no. but everything lovely. Just beautiful. Then, uh, across to the, the... Oh, I nearly did. Across to... Did you listen to Flowers, this Let's do this song, thing. Three Sisters? I think I did. The I, I listened track. to the, the, the whole album. My Lord. But you see, I know I didn't like oh, the album on. much. I found it quite. I've only, and again, I've only been through 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 
both of them separately twice uh, once so um what? i have i haven't Bruce, had a whole lot of uh, put headphones on and input. listen to this first song no but it's it's again i think i think because <sighs> you come with it's one of those soundtrack of oh, of your life so type of artists for me. I love it so much. Okay. Hush and let me talk. Um, because I, I think the their older their older stuff. Yeah. Uh, which was very different. Whatever you think of the new one, um, let's do this thing as a new album. Yeah. Um, but it it was very much that kind of with some other bands, uh, uh, Crowded House and all sorts of other bands, was very much a case of of soundtracking a part of my life when that came out and I think that that has with it a bunch of memories and a bunch of emotions and all sorts of other things listening to this on its own I like I like the sound but I don't like the songs yes okay I'm finding that they're, they're kind of very meandering and they don't have a lot of the energy we, we spoke when we spoke about them a few weeks back whenever it was um, something that I really do love about about much of the music is that just infectious joy that you kind of Go listen to it. Go the gypsy <laughs> You listen to it and you just end up with a stupid grin on your face. And I didn't get that. Now. Okay, yeah. Um, so it. I mean, they're older. I'm older. It's all. You know, everybody's getting old. Oh, but uh, you know, it's <laughs> it's it's a different kind of music. It's, yeah. it's certainly very much less commercial. Mm. Um, and while I mean, if it put it this way, if I came to them now, if I discovered Hot House Flowers now, right. I think I'd kind of leave it. Yeah. I'd go, oh, very good musicians and move on. Huh. Um, so I will go back to it because I am an established fan, which is also another thing we can chat about sometime. I about, think they have a huge... How much of a chance you get if you're... A huge slab of the mystical. Or oh, a huge slab of the mystical. In their... You can get a cream for in, that. In their yeah. playing. Yeah. <laughs> There's just this... Oh, he's oh. great. Anyway. Anyway, right. so to Pretoria now. Um, and a guy called Faraway George. I don't know if you've ever seen him or heard him play. No. Um, I played. I first uh, bumped into him. Uh, he was he was busking at the Irene Market in Pretoria. That's a capital city of Je- of uh, Gauteng here yes, in South indeed. Africa. Um, and just it's a, a kind of flea market outdoor place. And he was he was busking in the middle <coughs> there and just was that thing where you hear it in the distance and you go oh that sounds good and you wander there and then your family continues to shop because you're not going because right. he's really really good. Um, what and ever then, happened to flea markets? Yeah, they're Are they still flea? Because it seems to be overtaken by the new hipster market. Oh, yeah, well, fair enough, yes. So it's not really the yes. flea anymore. No, no, no. There it's are just no the fleas. market. Much cleaner. Um, anyway, so you were captivated. But uh, I've since played with him on, on songwriters' rounds and, and other things, and just an absolutely lovely bloke. But nice. monstrously talented. Okay. Just incredibly, incredibly good at what he does. Wonderful singer, wonderful player thing is i've only heard him in those both of those contexts as a like a, a sort of folky guy with an acoustic guitar stand stand and deliver yeah yeah you know and, and he's really really good at this his album burnt and sound um is burnt, 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 sound, and burnt and sound okay i don't give I've me, been don't burnt, give me your grammar sound. rubbish um is is a different animal altogether, hmm. um, and I've now lost the page that I had, but I'll find it. Um, it's a it. it's an interesting um, uh, collection because it's it's put a you know it is it's 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 a collection, but it's not it's not of a time or place. So he's recorded things in in his house, and then some of the other tracks are recorded live, okay, <clears throat> with a full band. 
and the, and somewhere in studio and this and that and the next thing. So you, you get you get slightly it's it's very well mastered and all the rest of it. Hello Rogan. Um, and what is the vibe compared to an acoustic guitar? Well, the, the full band stuff is fascinating because it's. Uh, Okay, I mean, where where there are the quieter sort of folkier numbers, he's, there's a lot of more layering and and sonic mystic, uh, mysticality, um, okay. if if you like. He's, it, he doesn't necessarily just leave it clean. Although there's one Afrikaans uh, song on here because he's an Afrikaans bloke, almost seen in clear. Everyone sees in color, right? Um, which is just and again, there's a there's a, a slightly well, it's, it's it's quite a rough recording, re- relatively speaking. It's okay. not, but it is absolutely beautiful in hmm. terms of, of the performance. Um, is it what you'd imagine a s- acoustic guitar playing singer-songwriter would do in the studio, or have they gone in and put all sorts of electronica? And not too much. Drum That's and bass? the thing. It's very different if you've only seen him do, and you've seen him do the singer-solo-songwriter so- yeah. thing quite a lot. But the full band which judging by surnames is half of his extended family right um is really really cool there's a song mm. called sugarcane um which is just this big stomping wonderful thing and for me in terms of south african songwriters there's a vibe of of robin ald mm. which, which is a huge compliment coming from me and terence race it would be coming from um, you talking. i'm talking right now um but just a really really great full band sound because yeah. uh, he's got a big voice as well um, and then these these funny little there's a sequencing issue on the on the album for me. It starts with a, a sort of kind of funny layered thing, which is lovely and as a as a as a linking tune or whatever. But yeah. it's it, for me it doesn't it, it it's not a great calling card, you know. If you're right. if you're sort of listening to the first one to get an idea of what it sounds like, it doesn't sound like that. Um, but some some lovely other songs. There's a lot of good stuff on this album. Um, and and all of the live stuff is good. Sugarcane, Hey Sister, uh, I forget which ones they were. Hold Up, yeah, and there was a fourth that's also live. Maybe when the sun comes through, um, hmm. but very very far away. Ta- talented singer songwriter, um, and he's not. Yeah, he'll be he'll be around for a long time because he's got he's got skills and he's got plans. So nice. far away, George burnt and found. Highly recommended. Go and check out the album upon the downloads and the streamings. Um, sure. Yes, very very good. Have a nice day. All right, that's me for for the music. For the music, so you've got recommendations there, peeps. You've got everybody loves everyone. Sorry, loves guitar podcast. Uh, Charlie Peacock and Far Away uh, George. George and Deacon Blue. Deacon Blue, yeah, but not and Hot, Hot House, House Flowers. You must go and listen to Hot House Flowers. <laughs> Right, so my only other contribution to today will be um, a further dive into the true crime rabbit hole that Good you gracious. pushed no, me down. No, it's not my fault, buddy. I've stopped um, long ago. I've walked away. I keep on seeing new ones on uh, on the old uh, Netflix that it now obviously has recognized and gives me as yes. my um, algorithmic... psycho killer. Whatever. So I watched quite a fascinating one called Mur- Murder Among the Mormons. Yes. Or Murder in, Murdering in Amongst Mormons. the Mormons. Um, which I recognized a name in the production, possibly direction as well, directed by Jared Hess, okay. who is one of the two brothers, Jerusha and Jared Hess, who did um, Napoleon Dynamite ah, and Nacho Libre and Gentleman Broncos? Certainly of a of a type. Then Murder yeah. Among the Mormons and uh, Napoleon Dynamite. Exactly, but you, it's, hard, you it's, could hardly get two productions more yeah. alike. It's set in Salt Lake, so that's what the, what it's all about. Okay, okay. and it's about <laughs> a dude who um, 
it's interesting like the mormons have this whole uh mythology around um their religion and this guy joseph wherever he was Young. who discovered these gold plates with the angel and whatever mm. um but there's also a massive uh, sort of historical history fascination and and, and um, old um, documents fascination there and this guy it turns out i'm not going to spoil it but it's about a guy who finds <laughs> all these documents and uh, f- uh, fosters uh, controversy amongst the mormon church and then um, cut to a few la- uh, years later some bombs go off and people start to die and then they have to get to the bottom of what's going and on find out who this guy is and why um, he's doing this it was only sort of three episodes that sounds uh, though really just fascinating. Uh, I mean it's real but it sounds again the last few we've we've had a look at are real life killer does things kills people and it's a, it's police procedural kind of thing yeah this sounds I mean just what you've told me sounds more like a almost like a series you know or an episode in a series yeah, you know where where somebody would write a plot. Yeah, it deals. So interesting. It's been interesting for me to compare the real life um, police work that happens, mm-hmm. um, particularly obviously going back to the days before DNA and these yeah. sort of things, you know, compared to what we see routinely in. Uh, NCIS and whatever yes, yes, and how budget. Those how, guys have yeah, such budget, man. How very they have all the machines that the real police wish they had. Yeah. Um, but there's a, a massive uh, gap there. It, it's interesting to see. Obviously, we're seeing a skewed view on you know TV shows showing these things, but you get the impression that the police, many of these cases are are broken or solved purely by accident mm. by one police. Um, person just doing some old-fashioned policing yes. rather than any Coming of the... across one fact that stands out. Yeah. Um, so that's quite f- disconcerting but interesting to <laughs> see. Yeah, because you yeah. think, well, you know, what are the chances of crimes being solved <laughs> um, yeah. when it's... Yeah. Mm, yeah, I don't know. I don't when, think it's when, far more difficult. But also when we are, when people aren't committed, what are the chances? Yeah, and it, it feels strange to me if you think of America um, where most of these have been set... Um, and serial killers and people being being caught, and then you think of places like you know the Baltic states or Africa, where there's very little logistical whatever's yes, and forensics. And and how huge machines? And, what a yeah. what a fertile ground it is for would be offenders, mm. and you shudder to think and what especially may if or may not be Especially giant countries and things yeah. far away from. Yeah, so uh, it doesn't bear thinking about, yeah. but I've uh, been watching that. I've carried on watching Raised by Wolves, which is still um, interesting. And I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Just finished watching The Office, the American Office, oh, all yes. nine seasons. Did everyone die in the end? Um, no, I won't oh, give anything away. It. Uh, it's not Game of Offices, it's just The Office. <laughs> um, but it Ooh, was. Uh, I did, I did. TM, TM. <laughs> but it was uh, very sweet and very cool. And I see Netflix South Africa has now added Parks and the Recreation, yes. which will be our next foray into watching from beginning to end uh, with go. much hilarity and Ron Swansonisms to ensue. <laughs> Such a moustache. Such a moustache. Yes, respect. Yes, indeed. So there we are. Right. So to me, and it's basically, I've got uh, one Netflix and one Showmax action films where one single agent type person beats up a lot of other people. Um, So the one, the first one on Showmax is a a film called Anna, um, starring an actress who I don't know at all other other than this called Sasha Luss, L-U-S-S, or Sasha Luss. Um, yes, yes, but anyway, yes, yes. so she's she's uh, an agent, 
Um, and again, it doesn't really matter for who. It's just the it's, it's a Luc Besson film is, is oh, possibly yes. the, the big deal. It. The big deal here. I enjoyed because it because Luc will I did enjoy it, yes. always give you fantastic style. Yes. Um, he may not give you satisfying plots all the time. This one works though. This one is, is yeah, really I good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, it doesn't try to be, yeah, too fancy in terms of, of the plots and things. It doesn't go sort of down a, a latter day James Bond rabbit hole or something in terms of, of too many details and stuff but um, very very effective um, and in the, in the sort of style of Atomic Blonde or, or, or something like that um, Red Sparrow that kind of film if you, if you enjoyed those where there is this uh, solo female agent and again I don't know if we're still in that sort of space where there's novelty in in the agent being female and you know therefore we can't expect apparently, it to be as hardcore as, as so on and so on and so on um they do all tend to be blonde i'm noticing because it was who was it it was atomic charlie's blonde, in atomic yeah. blonde and and uh, jennifer what's her name lawrence yes in in red sparrow um so yes if you do blonde, see blonde sparrow, an, a, a, an uh, attractive okay. blonde woman with a long coat usually coming towards you Certainly. assume that a you're duster. going to be beaten up very yeah. badly um so yes very effective film, not much well. to say we don't i don't need to give you too much of the plot because it's yeah it's about a secret agent who beats up a lot of people and everyone it, that all happens in the end very the nice. next one um is the equalizer 2 oh yes also serious. sequel you'll 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 notice to the equalizer um but yes my denzel my, <laughs> yes and th- that's interesting for me because in terms of the, you know, yes, do we expect a woman to be less of an issue in terms of, you know, what, how many people she's going to be able to beat up in the room and this and that and the next thing? Denzel is, as we know, um, a mass training day and all the rest of it is a massively effective uh, action star. Badass. But mm. he still doesn't, he still doesn't feel like it in in Hollywood terms. So he's never going to be in the Expendables nine. Or no, whatever. no, 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 no. You you don't get that sense of all of those guys, all of that kind of generation of of action stars that have a kind of vibe um, that they find hard to shake in other films. Um, so Stallone has done it well in in various yeah non action type things. Um, not many of the others have. Uh, Willis can, Willis could have and chose not to. And can so you picture Denzel? with an M60 in one hand and a cigar in his mouth. I can't. You can't because... Uh, but this oiled. is what's so interesting here. I think I think Denzel particularly has this kind of class uh, yeah. as an actor, but also uh, gravitas mm, absolutely. as a character. So it, it just wouldn't allow for it. So here he's a... He, what's his, his character's name is Robert McCall, which is also... It's kind of... I suppose it could be old Bob McCall. Bob McCall, but he's he is a I think he's a retired agent or yep. almost retired agent. But the thing is, he's it, again as these guys would. You, you, the training sticks, and he, yeah. he still knows. He how doesn't to, want to get involved in this, but the bad guys just they just push, push him his too far. <laughs> but, this, but but that's what's cool as well is, yeah, that, that's it's, great. is that he has the capacity to be, as you say, a real a complete badass. Yeah. Um, but he's not. Yeah, he's not doing it for these stupid because a lot of these things where it's the CIA versus the KGB or whatever it is, all the intrigue doesn't really matter because the you know there being a, an envelope of documents in that building or that building yeah, doesn't yeah. really matter to you or I. Here, the old lady next door who got beaten up because she's Muslim mm. or something. Yes, 
that that just irks him because there's no reason for yeah, those young men who live across the a highly developed sense of justice. Exactly. So be. there's no there's no reason for those nasty young men who live across the courtyard to have done that. No. So they're gonna get a fork in their ear or something. Right. Um, and but it's also it's just filmed beautifully. It's made wonderfully. He. How he long has it been whole, since the first one? I have no idea. I, th- I feel like it's been a while, and suddenly the second the sequel popped. But up. I think he I think he works fairly consistently though. So it's no. probably it's, he's probably gone and made six other great films in the meantime. But my point, yeah, here it's just that it's, uh, you know, with with Anna or Anna, it's um, you see Luke Besson. Well, I do see Luke Besson. And I expect yeah. a, a certain kind of feel and a certain kind of entertainment, which is not going to be terribly, terribly, uh, you no. know, uh, exasperating, but will be well made. And then here, I love, I love uh, Denzel is just is a wonderful, wonderful screen presence. Um, and I think even even we've chatted before about how uh, a big name, an A-lister, can be difficult to look past. Yes. And here, it's actually. Again, you, you, you know that Denzel can craft this character in a certain way, but you actually invest in the character's sense of justice. As, yeah, as, you know, yeah, as, as dramatic as it might be, you're going, he's a bad guy in, in normal terms. You shouldn't go and stab people or no. shoot them from the, from the bridge or whatever. But he's on the side of the good guy mm. and the little guy. And he, des- desperately you want him in your corner <laughs> rather than, yes. than against you. So, so two good action films. Um, yeah, neither really going to, to stretch you too much intellectually. But The Equalizer 2 with Denzel on uh, Netflix. And very good. Anna, directed I, by yeah. Luc Besson and starring Sasha Luce, who is very, very good at what she does as well. So let's, let's have a film where she and, and Charlene... Charlize are fighting each other. And Denzel comes in. Okay. Um, I also, uh, on my radar at the moment, I don't know if you've seen it, is um, The Trial of the Chicago 7, which is directed by Aaron Sorkin. Fabulous film. Okay, great. I'm looking forward to that. There we go. We'll chat about that. Excellent. We can chat about that. Right. You haven't read anything because you're a lazy bastard. I have, and uh, I have an appointment, so we're going to have to wrap things up here. Right. Last last one. So, very, very quickly. It is the Times Crime Book of the Month, but not this month. Um, Which Times, my friend? I don't know. Look, I'm just reading the cover. The New um, York A delightful Times. detective, a, lightly, a lively, humorous portrait of Sicilian society and gastronomy. Yes, so what? it's called... It's a book by Mario Giordano. Is um, that... Uh, it sounds... Um, Italian. Yes. Yes, and it's called Antipoldi and the Sicilian Lions. And Antipoldi is one of those lovely, lovely literary uh, characters... Uh, Sort of Auntie Poldy sounds like detective type okay. people. Oh right. Um, so you know, throughout literature, there, there have been these unlikely. She's not a. She's not a qualified detective. She's a right, nosy, right, she's right, a nosy right, neighbor. Right, right, right. Who's the one that Alexander McCall Smith has a whole uh, yes. massive. Anyway, yes, uh, that yeah, one. Yeah. But Ma, somebody. Yes, but exactly the same kind of. Right. Well, not exactly because it's set in Sicily. There's there's different aspects. But it's of, quite light. Obviously, the mafia lurks yes, in the background. Right, and, right, right, right. Um, but yes, she's a wonderful character. Um, and again, the way right. he writes her, you can see, you can almost, you know people like this, where they are incredibly charismatic and interesting and lovely to a point. And then you'll, you'll, <laughs> you'll you will have had a, in, in real life, you know, mm. you, you will have had enough and you will need to go and lie down. Okay. Um, <laughs> but she, she's lots and lots of fun. It's, uh, yeah, some somebody dies. It's a, it's like a, a Jessica, yeah, what's her name? Um, Jessica Rabbit. No, Jessica man, the... Uh, oh, Murder, She It's that kind of thing, yes. So you don't want to live in that village. You Angela, also don't, you also don't want to live in this village in Sicily. Because people are dying. Someone will die and Auntie Poldy will find you out. So as far as I know, it's the first... Um, 
Sounds like a franchise, my friend. Yeah, the first. It's the launch of a franchise. Okay. It's the first in that in that book. Lovely. Again, I, I don't like sort of that, that sort of beach read term because you know, yeah, then, then sure. you have to find a beach, and Captain we can never Corelli's do it because we live in Johannesburg. So, um, but it is that kind of read. It's a satisfying murder mystery with nice. other bits and pieces. That uh, in that chart line, it does mention gastronomy. gastronomy, which is also, and I forget the chap's name now, but the, the Bruno Detective Bruno. Um, there's a there's a, a series of books in set in. France, hmm. and uh, that detective is a great cook and whatever. To the and the way it's written is he'll he'll prepare a dish, and the way it's written it's, it's not set out as a recipe. But, but if you, if you, you just follow the text, you could you could put, take your novel to the kitchen and make what he made. And it, <clears throat> there's that same appreciation here of just huh. wonderful, very cool uh, Italian cuisine and, and like that. drinks and things. So you ta- you do get a, a sort of mouth watering aspect to it as well. So that's uh, Auntie Poldi and the Sicilian Lions. Mario Giordano, published John, by John Murray. John Murray and publisher. that's that. Boom. Oy, there it is, a big old thick. All right, we're going to cut this one shorter than usual, as life is making demands upon us, well, upon me. Um, great. Find us uh, at all the usual podcast places. Spread the word. Connect with us at thechoruspodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at thechorus9. Thank you very much for listening. Yes, yes. Apparently, um, leaving reviews and things and comments and uh, subscriptions and all the things are very good for us. But also, we, yes, we are quite keen, as, as we said earlier, on following up on uh, interesting things or things that you find interesting because it does expand our kind of whole uh, yeah. experience there, which is kind of why we do this even any, anyway. This gives us an, ex- an, uh, an excuse to watch TV Even and though you've books. asked us to watch the Zappa documentary, we still haven't done it. Well, who's but us, I mean, buddy? Yeah, we, exactly. We, we will. I watched Mosul. It's a very yeah, good movie. Go and watch that. Well. Exactly. Great. Thank Lovely. you very much, guys. Very From nice. Stefan and Bruce, we'll see you again next time. Good day. I say good day. Good day.